1011 now, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks uh, for being with us. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan. Great stuff at the end of uh, hour number one. We are efforting uh, uh, our next guest. We're going to be talking with, oh, and I do believe he is uh, getting on the line right now. Uh, our next guest is the former acting attorney general of the United States of America. He succeeded uh, Jeff Sessions after Jeff Sessions' resignation and pre, uh, prior to... Um, uh, President Trump's appointment of Bill Barr as the next Attorney General, but uh, Matt Whitaker was the uh, uh, former Chief of Staff to uh, the Attorney General, and uh, again he held that role from November of twenty of uh, twenty eighteen through February of twenty nineteen when Bill Barr came in, and he has stayed very very active in support of law and order and of President Trump's administration, and I do believe he is on the line right now. Yes, there he is. Uh, uh, former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker joining us now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, uh, Mr. Attorney General. Good to talk to you. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. So glad to be with you today. Good to have you. There are a lot of things that I wanted to pick your brain about right now at this very crucial time in our nation's history. And I want to start with an op-ed you wrote a little over a week ago uh, about the Chinese Communist Party and their uh, preference, if you will, uh, in the American presidential election. I don't think it's a secret to anybody that Donald Trump has been the biggest thorn in Xi Jinping's side uh, since uh, he took office. He immediately uh, introduced tariffs on uh, Chinese goods uh, and tried to do what he has always talked about doing, and that is uh, balance the scales a little bit in trade between the United States and China. Uh, they don't like that very much, and you are uh, opining that the Chinese Communist Party is certainly all in for Joe Biden. Can you tell us more? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that the Chinese have a preference in who the president of the United States is in 2021. I think they, you know, have a strong preference for Joe Biden. And I think it's for a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, he has obviously been willing to turn a, a blind eye to a lot of what they've been doing over the years, including the eight years of Obama-Biden, where China made a lot of gains, especially in its uh, you know, exploitation of our markets and its in its uh, in its trade practices, which President Trump has um, dramatically curtailed. I think uh, as well. I think you know it'll be very interesting to see uh, what the Chinese are willing to do in support of Joe Biden. I mean, we heard from um, the FBI director uh, last week or the week before that in testimony before Congress that China is really an ascendant uh, interferer in elections and that their capabilities have dramatically increased, uh, even more so than the Russians. And so I think we we should all be concerned that China is going to put their thumb on the scale and try to affect the elections in favor of Joe Biden. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of evidence I lay out in my opinion piece uh, about why uh, they support Joe and why they'll do anything this year to try to help him get elected. What I want to know, Mr. Whitaker, is why you you do a great job of explaining why they are for Joe Biden. What I want to know is why there is no talk coming from congressional Democrats or, more importantly, from the mainstream media about that Chinese influence. They're still freaked out over the, quote-unquote, Russia uh, interference in the 2016 election. And, of course, we went through two and a half years of that Russia hoax investigation uh, that turned up nothing as we knew it would. But they're not even commenting on the possibility of, uh, of the uh, Chinese Communist Party Party interfering and trying to influence the the American election. Why are they not talking about that? I mean, I think it's because they share uh, the same uh, goal, which is to have Biden elected to the presidency. I mean, I, I think it's you know the mainstream media, the Chinese, and Demo- congressional Democrats all have the same goal, 
Um, and that is to, you know, get rid of uh, President Trump. And the reason you want to get rid of President Trump is that he's, he's too tough. Uh, you know, he's, he's been too tough on China. He's been too tough on, uh, on a lot of things. And I think they, you know, they, they, they yearn for this, I, I guess, weaker uh, presidency that, uh, that Joe mm-hmm. Biden, Biden would promise. And so I'm, you know, I, I think I was surprised. I mean, I had to really pretty much seek out uh, this testimony of Chris Ray, who's the FBI director on Chinese election interference. Uh, you, you, it was not covered at all by the media, uh, as you would expect, because, again, it's inconsistent with their narrative, which was which was Russia, 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 which is all we've heard for three and a half years. Um, and, you know, really the Mueller report uh, dispatches with that pretty pretty easily that there was no collusion between the Trump campaign and and uh, the Russian government. And, and, you know, but, listen, there. I mean, I'm going to be very clear uh, to you and your listeners. There, there are several countries, the Chinese, the Russians, the North Koreans, the Iranians, just to name a few that want to wreak havoc and interfere with our, um, you know, elections. Uh, there is no doubt about it. It happens every two years. Presidential elections have a lot more attention. So I think every voter should be on guard for information that they receive and make sure that it's uh, verified and factual. Very important information, indeed. We're talking with the former acting attorney general of the United States, Mr. Matthew Whitaker. Um, one more quick question on China. Um, I, I, it's not your job to follow everything Joe Biden says, but have you ever heard Joe Biden condemn the Chinese oppression of religious minorities, particularly right now against Islamic individuals in China? Have we heard Joe Biden condemn China for their oppression of uh, and their mistreatment of Hong Kong and their attempt to keep Hong Kong under their thumb to deny them freedom etc because i find it very interesting that so many individuals are worried about russia and china has done far worse things particularly in recent history than russia has done in terms of oppression of people and again uh the american left not just joe biden but the american left just gives them a pass on all of that yeah and it's it's really sad there are a lot of people you know in china uh especially the uyghurs in sort of the the, will be the western part of the country that have been essentially sent to reprogramming camps. And then what's happening uh, in their clampdown in Hong Kong, which is, you know, sort of a, a, an area that was promised sort of autonomy and freedoms, uh, unlike mainland China, which, you know, the Communist Party has come in and, and really, um, you know, done all sorts of things to uh, take away those people's freedom and liberty and, and voice. Um, we should be, you know, America should stand with all freedom-loving people across the globe. And we have always been that beacon of uh, what is right and good about individual liberty and, um, and and spoke out for them. And I have, you know, you're right, I have not heard Joe Biden say anything about uh, those instances in China. But, you know, it's because I don't think he's willing to stand up and be tough as it relates to the Chinese, unlike President Trump, who has... Uh, you know, spoken out on Hong Kong. He's obviously uh, put a lot of uh, uh, other uh, penalties and, and consequences, including trade consequences on the Chinese for their bad behavior. But you know, we're 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 looking at unfortunately probably a you know a at at, at best a cold war with China over the next uh, century, and we need to be prepared for that. And we need to have leaders that understand. Um, how to confront the Chinese on the global stage and build a coalition that uh, supports uh, the efforts of, you know, and, and supports individual liberties.
We're talking with uh, Matt Whitaker, the former acting attorney general of the United States. Let's pivot to unrest here in America. We continue to see in Seattle and in Portland and in Minneapolis and in New York and Atlanta and a number of other cities ongoing violence. Ostensibly, they say it's over racial injustices. I find it kind of coincidental that all these leftist organizations in these big democratic, long-held democratic strongholds are worried about oppression of people. Uh, but again, they won't say a word about the oppression of uh, people in, in China uh, and in Hong Kong uh, by China, etc. But can you tell me what the answer is? President Trump and uh, Attorney General Barr, they've made some decisions to send some federal agents into some of these cities to try to crack down on the out-of-control violence. They have been rebuffed by many big city Democrat mayors saying that this is wrong. Nancy Pelosi calls these federal agents Trump's stormtroopers. How can we get control of the violence in those cities and, and act on behalf of the victims in those cities if the leaders of those cities are quite fine with that violence? Well, they shouldn't be, and their citizens certainly aren't. I mean, I saw uh, just just this morning that the Minneapolis police had issued a sort of a how to survive a mugging, um, or how uh, it's like our our cities are exploding in crime, Chicago, with the shootings, and 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 other places are just experiencing a complete increase in violent crime. And there's, I mean, there's you know, there's proven ways uh, to. Uh, combat this, and that is, is is what you know Rudy Giuliani did in the eighties uh, in New York City, uh, in nineties, and uh, in other places. You know, is to is to police proactively, uh, you know, and again build relationships and intelligence in the various communities to get trigger pullers off of the streets. Um, you know, New York City up until De Blasio took over as mayor and and really kind of prevents and prevented the New York police from doing their job, they had experienced just tremendously low murder rates and violent crime rates because of the way, you know, the, the way the police were going about their business. And I went up when I was uh, chief of staff to the attorney general and, and so um, closely, and, and I was very interested in how they were doing, going about their business. But as we, but as we've attacked the police, as we've clipped their wings and, and not allowed them to do the things that work and make, community safer, you've seen a complete explosion in violent crime. And I just think we need to get back to a place where, you know, every child can play in their front yard and not worry about uh, being the victim of a crime, whether it's a drive-by shooting, whether it's, a, you know, something other, some other horrific act of, of violence. But, you know, until these political leaders in these major cities, all of them Democrats for decades, uh, get control and actually understand that the police can work proactively in these communities to reduce crime to, you know, increase public safety and peace and prosperity. I think, you know, we're really going to experience bad things in some of these major cities. Last thing for you, if you would, Mr. Whitaker, I know we're a little bit long here, but just briefly on Attorney General Barr and Prosecutor John Durham, they're working very hard, and Prosecutor is supposed to be having his his investigation wrapped up by about now. We were told we would have it by summer, maybe late summer. Well, here we are. Do you think anything will be done before the election as it pertains to their investigation of the Russia probe that was done after the FBI and the DOJ were weaponized against the Trump campaign? Yeah, I actually think we'll start seeing some activity and action uh, in the coming weeks. I think they set a deadline in December. I think by Labor Day, we'll see some action out of John Durham. I think he's got targets. He's got uh, evidence of crimes being committed. And so I think we'll see some folks uh, brought to justice. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to set an artificial deadline of the, of the election, but uh, by the time the election rules around, I think we'll have a pretty clear picture as to what happened. I think we'll have his report 
uh, in hand, and I think it would be very uh, condemning of the Obama administration and the way they conducted uh, intelligence operations uh, and, and weaponized the Department of Justice and the intelligence community. I think we should all say our prayers that it is done. I'll put an artificial deadline on it. I want it done by the election. I want it done a few weeks before the election because uh, I think that should impact the election and the future of this country. But that's just my statement. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your service to our country. Thank you. Always enjoy being with you. Thank you very much. That's Matt Whitaker, former AG, uh, acting AG. He succeeded Jeff Sessions. He preceded Bill Barr. And uh, great, great commentary here on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll come back with some phone calls after this, the Bob France Authority. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM, it's the Bob France Authority. All right, short segment here, but let's make it a good one. We'll get a phone call in from my friend Khalid Namar on AM 1420 The Answer. Khalid is a co-host of the Todd Allen Show Sunday nights here on AM 1420 The Answer. How you doing, Khalid? I am well, Bob. Uh, and there you are. Yeah, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. There's a, sorry. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, real quick. Um, before I, I have a question for you regarding the topic you were talking about this morning, but I just wanted to give you an update. You an update. People update on what happened with our movie, real quick. We were canceled. Won't get into details, but luckily the people, the wonderful people at St. Joseph's Byzantine Catholic Church, stepped up, gave us a new venue for Uncle Tom movie. That'll be Tuesday, the 18th. You can go to Uncle Tom movie, Cleveland and Eventbrite and get tickets, and it's been great support we've had. We had a great response from it, which was disappointing. We had to switch gears, but we're back on track for the 18th uh, at St. Byzantine Catholic Church on Brexford Road and uh, uh, Uncle Tom Movie um, Cleveland on Eventbrite or Damascena Stage. My brother, who put all this together, uh, can give you info on that. So thanks for your support as well as always, always, Bob. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for the update on that. Absolutely. I have a question for you. You've been a teacher uh, and certainly know the ins and outs of, of, of the educational system, and I've been a tutor in schools. With all of this shutdown uh, for, for these kids, what do you see as the long-term, well, short-term and long-term effects on the development of these kids, which I think will be devastating? Well, you, you, I think you answered it uh, right there in one word, and I hate, I hate to say that I can't give you more than one word here, but I really can't because I'm up against the clock. But I'll say this, Khalid, it will be devastating. Their social skills will be damaged, their ability to learn. Because, you know, when you're young, when you're talking about kids in primary grades, it's not just what you learn, it's learning how to learn. And you can't learn how to learn from a laptop. You can't learn how to learn by somebody giving you instructions on screen instead of in person, dealing with you and dealing with adults and dealing with questions and answers and knowing how to uh, how to work through problems etc etc including the social problems when you're young you have to learn how to learn so it's not just your ABC's and your one two threes it's it's how you actually solve problems and you cannot do that by remote learning it is devastating uh, you think you used the correct word there my friend I'll talk more about the impact of that we will probably have an entire show or at least an hour dedicated to what happens to kids if they are denied in-person learning uh, but I really appreciate the question. Thanks so much. Coming up on the program, we're going to be talking with Steve Cardian. He's a Trump uh, 2020 advisory board member and a former police officer. We'll talk about policing and law and order in this country. Coming up, AM 1420, The Answer. 
attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. It is every bit of that and a little bit more. 1036, thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. i got 24 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you in this broadcast. want to uh, switch gears now and talk a little bit of law and order, or the lack thereof in most big cities run by Democrats for decades. Um, it's, it's a mess. Seattle, Portland, uh, Atlanta, New York, uh, Minneapolis. It just continues to get worse. We're, we're 60, 65 days removed since the, uh, terrible incident in Minneapolis involving George Floyd and law and order is on the run. Police departments are being defunded. Calls for the abolition of departments continue to grow. And on we go. Joining us now to talk about all of it is Steve Cardi, and he's an American career law enforcement officer, a detective, a sergeant, a chief criminal investigator, and he is also a member of the Trump 2020 Advisory Board. So he's got particular insights he can share with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Steve, thanks so much for your time this morning. How are you? Good, Bob, and a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to have you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, i, I got to tell you, I, I've never seen anything like this. I don't think any of us have. We've seen riots before. We've seen the Watts riots. We've seen riots in New York. We have seen uh, the Rodney King situation. And we saw what happened in the short term right after the George Floyd. And I don't want to say it's excusable, but it was expected probably. But the fact that so many of these cities are now in their, going into their third month of nightly arson, nightly assaults, nightly attacks, uh, vandalism, and so on and so forth is just beyond me um the left is saying hey donald trump's president he's the one who can't get this under control yet he's trying to send federal agents in to give some uh, assistance to law enforcement that are have their hands tied by their big city mayors their democrat mayors and uh they want to kick the law enforcement agents out the federal agents out so steve i I feel like the president can't win for losing here and the people are the ones being victimized and and they are bob it's the Democratic progressive mayors, governors that are having their police officers stand down, they're not getting the support. I mean, 64, 65 days in Portland where, where uh, Ted Wheeler, the mayor, and uh, Kate Brown just stood by and allowed the protest to go on. It's unheard of that our federal partners uh, are, are not working with the Portland, and it's not the, pro- the, the, the fault of the Portland police, it's the fault of the leadership all the way around. <clears throat> the uh, people will get away with what you allow them to get away with, and the mayors and the governors of these states, all the ones you just mentioned, Atlanta, Port of Seattle, New York, Chicago, they're all in a stand-down state. They are, and, and, and I'm trying to understand why. There was an ad that the president had been running, or his team had been running, uh, featuring an old woman calling 911. I'm sure you've seen it, calling 911, as Sean Hannity in the background is quoting Joe Biden, who is saying that money should be uh, moved. Now, he didn't use the word defunded, Biden. He didn't say police should be defunded, but he said money should be moved to other resources from police departments, so it means the same thing. And then, of course, the woman gets the uh, 911 answering machine saying, sorry, we weren't here to take your call. Um, it's it's real, right? I mean, the defunding of these police departments is going to leave people hanging when they are calling for emergency services, calling for police to stop them from being killed or violently assaulted by home intruders or carjackers. I mean, my goodness, we literally are talking about the safety of the American people. I have not heard Joe Biden condemning the violence. I haven't heard Joe Biden promising that in a Biden administration, police will have the full support of the resources of the presidency. 
And no, it, it's, it's actually a disgusting factor that uh, the Vice President Biden uh, has not uh, issued a statement condemning the, the violence. It's crazy. Our response times are getting greater. I've never seen where less police officers equals uh, less crime. It, it, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, and uh, go back to Portland for a minute. Their response times have gone from seven minutes to 15 minutes, more than doubled. Uh, New York, just about the same thing. I mean, you know, uh, you're making an arrest in New York, and with the governor, Governor Cuomo's no bail reform, they are back, these violent individuals are back out on the street within hours to be able, and they are, to commit additional crimes. So it, law enforcement can't keep up with it because of these laws. Wasn't the, wasn't the individual who actually beat the chief of police in New York released with no bail shortly thereafter? This is the chief of police. Yeah, that was the cane attack. And yes, that person was released once they were arrested uh, a very short time later. And, and it's the same in Chicago. Uh, no bail reform. And these people, violent individuals committing crimes back out on the street, shouldn't happen. It is, and that's a big part of the problem. So let's talk about solutions going forward here. Again, I think we all know that uh, Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee, he doesn't even have that yet officially, but he's uh, he's going to be the Democrat nominee, uh, has no plan for this whatsoever. He actually has not advised big city mayors like Ted Wheeler and uh, uh, Jenny up in New York, or excuse me, in Seattle and so on and so forth, Lori Lightfoot. He has not advised them to come down and take the reins off of their police so they can regain control of their cities. What about President Trump? What is his next move? What is his plan long-term to deal with this? Again, knowing that he has worked with the DOJ to send federal agents in to try to protect not just federal property, but also assist local police in trying to crack down on the violence, and he's getting that pushback. What next? What If you're on the advisory board, how would you advise the president to move forward in that regard? Well, the, the president continues to make law and order a key theme in his effort to for, for safety, and he's rapidly trying to reopen our country. Now, after I retired from the police department, uh, I worked three years for the U.S. Marshals. So what happens is the feds, the, the president, uh, at the order of the president, the feds send in the FBI, the DEA, uh, ATF, and they work in conjunction with the local police departments, and they go after the gangs. Remember the RICO statutes from the mafia, uh, mafia uh, indictments? Well, that's what they do, but they do it sure. to the gangs. They, they arrest them for conspiracy to create, you know, uh, operate a criminal enterprise. And they're very serious charges. They're not going to be released on bail. They're going to be tried. They're going to have e- each other flip on each other to give, become government witnesses. And they, are, they hit a lot of time. These people are put away for a long time. And it's the fe- us working with our federal partners to allow these investigations to go forward. And, I mean, they're bringing in 30, 40 gang members at a time, and that's a big problem of what it is. The gang members are, are flourishing. There's no question. We're talking to Steve Carty, and he is a member of the Trump 2020 Advisory Board. He's also a career law enforcement officer. Um, let me ask you about the impact of illegal immigration on this. You mentioned gangs, and we, and we all know that uh, the, the border has just been porous, uh, or had been really prior to President Trump trying to crack down on it. But, you know, MS-13, and uh, that's the most well-known, but other gangs coming into the United States. Here's what I fear, Steve. I fear... Um, 
the the word getting out to international crime organizations or gangs or cartels that it's going to be easier than ever to get in and move in and open up operations in American cities because they're about to elect somebody who's going to de-emphasize policing, who is going to side with those who want to, uh, if not defund, but to to uh, 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 extreme, you know, shrink by an extreme measure the number uh, or decrease the number of officers, etc. It's going to be ripe for the picking. They are going to be flowing across that border, getting here in any way they can, knowing that the, the you know, it's the, 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 get, the time is. I'm start struggling over this. I apologize, but uh, it's time for them to to move in because this is you know you, you get it while they're getting good. Well, we see that AOC and Bernie Sanders uh, pretty much wrote Biden's. Uh, law enforcement platform, the unity platform, and it's going to, like you said, abolish immigration detention. It's going to stop deportations and prosecution of illegal border crossings. So we're going to see MS-13 reflourish. Here in New York and Long Island, they ran Long Island. There were 50 murders. There were, were uh, hundreds of the MS-13 that were arrested, deported, or, or tried and convicted. So his stance against those, and let me tell you, if you sat in a courtroom and listened to the barbaric activities of these people and how they murder people, how they torture people. It, 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 it's horrific. And Biden will allow that back in. They will flourish in our country. Uh, President Trump will not stand for it. He, he's built the wall. He's lived up to all of his uh, promises. Law enforcement loves him. Uh, we got uh, uh, the biggest law enforcement agencies in the United States are coming out to endorse an NAOP, National Association of Police Organizations, FOP, the biggest uh, uh, police organization with over 300,000 members. So he's got the backing of law enforcement. They know these are the people on the front lines, and they know that without law and order, uh, there is no law and order without law enforcement, if you will. Well, that's exactly right, and that's why I want to ask you this question. If you were just coming up right now as an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old, would you make the same choices? Would you go into law enforcement, given the condition of law enforcement today? Uh, it, it would probably be a different decision. I loved my career. Uh, I, I really, really, uh, I'm, I'm a police officer for life, you know, even though I'm retired now. I'm still very active. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on TV all the time talking about the big cases. But um, I, I would have to tell someone to look in-depthly because, you know, if if they take away the protections that are in place, uh, it, it, it's it's not a good time to be in law enforcement. But we do see change. If the president and he will gets reelected, I think we're going to see this clean up pretty quickly. I hope you're right. I do, but I I wonder. You know, my I've got a son who's going into college next year. He's a high school senior this this coming fall or now. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about what he's going to major in in college. And we've talked about criminal justice because his mom, my wife, uh, used to be a, a police dispatcher, and she's in criminal justice now. Uh, and we talked about, hey, years ago, you know, over the last three or four years, hey, we, you know, what about being a police officer someday? And, yeah, that's a great idea. Now I would never, ever push that upon him. I would never encourage him because of what cops are facing every day. That's the reason I asked you the question. Who wants to go into a job now where you are not allowed to do what it takes to protect yourself or others for fear of being thrown in jail in the process you're either going to get shot or you're going to get jailed if you especially if you work in an urban center where a lot of this violent crime happens police aren't supported by um uh you know by politicians any longer so i i just can't imagine sending a young person into that career uh no and my son is in law enforcement he was in mypd he's now in a suburban police department thank god and uh 
it's it's going to be a tough decision. What job that you go into, can you be arrested for doing your job? And basically, uh, that's what they're trying New York, New York City, you can't put a knee, an arm, you can't put any pressure on somebody's uh, diaphragm back. Or, and, and even with incidental contact, I, I mean, I'm a long-term use of force expert. I'm an uh, early American Gracie Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and I've taught police officers from all over the world. There's no way that these officers can do their job with the restrictions that are being imposed on them. Well, that's exactly the point, and uh, that's the the difficulty. That's the conundrum, I guess, that uh, leaders, strong leaders like President Trump, um, you know, have to deal with here as they try to return law and order to the streets um, with a police force that does not have the backing of the local leadership uh, in those communities. And that's a, that's a very tough ask. But we do know that if anybody can do it, it's President Trump. Joe Biden will indeed take law and order and flush it. Uh, he's listening to the far left abolish the police wing of his party, and that's why it's so crucially important important to get President Trump reelected, and we're so glad that you're on uh, the advisory board to make that happen. Yes, sir, it is, uh, and the defunding is just nonsensical. It's devoid of all common sense. It, it certainly is, and it's dangerous. It, it's going to take people. You know, and last thing, and I'm sorry, I was about to wrap the interview, but here's the thing, Steve. Sure. You know, we're, we're, we're all about Black Lives Matter in this country right now. It's all about Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Uh, now, that's garbage because the organization Black Lives Matter is a Marxist political organization. It has nothing to do with actual black lives. But we need to point out, when police are not present in inner cities, when police are not patrolling and actively and proactively enforcing the law in these communities, Guess what? What? What race is the predominant number of murder victims and violent crime victims? Black lives are going to be taken when cops aren't around. Black lives are taken. It's it's irrefutable. You look at statistics in any city where consent decrees have been imposed and cops can't do their jobs. The victims of crime are almost exclusively in the 90th percentile black. And so, if Black Lives Matter, black people in this country should be supporting policing, not not uh, not calling for its abolishment. Nine-year-old boy shot in Chicago over the weekend. <clears throat> Crickets from Black Lives Matter. The inner-city communities, the good people of those communities, want law enforcement, and they need them. They're begging for them. They want more police, not less police, because those are the, 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 the neighborhoods and, and the parts of the cities that are going to suffer. No question about it. That's who is going to suffer the most, and that's why we need to shine a spotlight on the need for President Trump to restore and return law and order to these communities so that lives, all lives, including black lives, can be saved. Steve Cardian, uh, member of the Trump 2020 Advisory Board, thank you so much for your great insight and analysis. We appreciate it. Thanks for what you do, Bob. Thank you so much. That's Steve Cardin joining us. It's 1050. I've got time for one more segment of phone calls. Let's get you up and on the air. 216-901-0945 on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. 10.55, final segment of The Authority today. I wanted to say this before I go to a quick call or two before the bottom. I talked to, or before the top, rather, I talked to uh, Khalid Namaro, uh, my friend. He and Dan Messino, who are the two founders of the American Trinity Project, which is just extraordinarily important what they do. 
but they are hosting that watch party, and he called us. They were going to hold it uh, uh, tomorrow, I think it was supposed to be, and now it's going to be pushed to the, well, I'll have to get the information from him again. I apologize, but it's a viewing party for the Uncle Tom movie that Larry Elder put out that is just uh, sweeping the country in terms of um, uh, of documentaries. Uh, it is phenomenal. It is the number one documentary in America, and it's extraordinarily important. And the fact that the left doesn't want you to see it is why you should see it. Seriously, this is what they don't want you to see. The stars of the movie are people that you know, like Larry Elder, Candace Owens, Brandon Tatum, the late Herman Cain, God rest his soul. Uh, these are black conservatives whose stories will shock you and their journeys will amaze you. You want to watch this movie. So whether you watch it at the uh, viewing, and I'll get the info again from Khalid and Dan to tell you exactly when that uh, watch party is going to happen, uh, or you just want to do it on your own, you can log on to UncleTom.com and get it on pay-per-view and save 20% off the cost with the promo code Cleveland. UncleTom.com with the promo code Cleveland to save 20%. It is absolutely imperative that you learn uh, about that movie. Let's go to Paul in Akron, who's been waiting for a while now. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just wondering, doesn't the um, uh, committees in the House have parliamentarians? Because the thing of it is, is they keep talking about, I reclaim my time. They didn't really yield time. They asked the question. You know, if you yield time to somebody and they talk too long, yeah, you can reclaim your time at that point in time. But according to Robert's rules, the only way to stop after you've asked the question to keep the person from answering the question is to withdraw the question, which, of course, then it doesn't appear in the notes. So I'm wondering why. I wanted to talk to that uh, congressman you had on to ask him why they don't uh, hear point of order, but I've never heard anybody question this business about I recall my time. Yeah, I think, you know, what they... <laughs> I don't. I don't think they follow the parliamentarian procedure that you're talking about. I think they are pretty much given wide latitude, and it works this way with both parties. When the Republicans have the Senate, for example, uh, you know they're going to kind of allow it to happen for Republicans to cut off answers to questions that they ask. In the same way that Nadler and those you know, allowed Democrats to cut off Barr with his answers, and if Barr or the witness talks too long or t- tries to talk over them, in their view. They're not allowed to do that because it's not their time. You know, it's not the witness's time; it's the questioner's time. And if the uh, and, and if the person giving the answer continues to essentially filibuster, they're saying, "I want to reclaim my time. The time that he's talking is taking away from my time, so I want my time." It's garbage, but both sides do it, and and that's the that's the reality of it. I don't think there's going to be any uh, movement. Thank you, Paul, for the call. I don't think there's going to be any movement whatsoever. <clears throat> to change the rules or to follow parliamentarian procedure or any of those kinds of things uh, because, like I said, both sides do it. But it was egregious. I think it was one of the most egregious I have seen, truthfully, the way they treated Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the United States, last week. That was a five-hour campaign commercial for Joe Biden because they just attacked the Trump administration. Thanks to Jim Jordan. Thanks to Matt Whitaker. Thanks to Steve Cardian. And thanks to you for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.